Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at us. Me and you? Me and you. <laughs> you and I. Us. Us. The US? No. Uh, anyway, Us is the newest film written and directed by Jordan Peele, uh, produced alongside Jason Bloom and Sean McKittrick. So the trio in which previously collaborated on Get Out and Black Klansman. Jordan Peele made a new name for himself following the release of his Oscar award-winning horror film Get Out. If you haven't watched those yet but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Jason, you have the plot. Accompanied by her husband, son and daughter, Adelaide Wilson, played by Lupita Nyong'o, returns to the beachfront home where she grew up as a child. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. The family is horrified to learn that the attackers look just like them. Doppelgangers. We didn't cover Get Out. We didn't. I can't remember why, but we missed that one. When the movie was first announced, I was already on board, being a fan of Jordan Peele from his Key and Peele dates. Like his background is comedy. He's always been a fan of horror, but it wasn't until Get Out that he was able to show another strength. Yeah, and what a strength. Like that was Get Out was something that, you know, like, was an experience watching it. You know? Yeah, definitely, but I feel like I knew Jordan Peele before Jordan Peele. <laughs> I've like I've been a fan of this guy for years and not everybody knew him. Yeah, it's true. And now like he's Known worldwide, like to he's share one him of the, with everyone else, and that's he's one of the b- biggest, most sought after directors on the planet. Yeah, based on that one movie, and now he's followed it up with and another horror. He's film. got he's got um this Twilight Zone series sort of like a reboot thing happening. So he's a producer. He he presents it. He narrates it. And you mentioned Black Klansman. So even movies that he's not actively directing, he's producing. He's, he's writing. Involved. I mean, he's doing so much. But this movie. Us, a horror film, and I thought I knew what this film was going to be. Do you know what? I remember watching the trailer like months ago when the first trailer landed. Um, I, I kind of just remember the feeling of you know what I got from watching it, and then for some reason I forgot everything about it. And then when it came down to I had my movie ticket, I was going to go see it that evening, and I was like, I have no idea what this movie's about. I just had no clue. I completely forgot everything about the trailer. I just remembered I wanted to watch it. So with Get Out, we was presented with one thing. It ended up being another. So we kind of sh- should have suspected something. But <laughs> I thought we were going into a home invasion movie. And then the twist would be that the invaders wasn't sure why or how, but looked like the victims. So there was something going on. But it goes from being a home invasion movie to being essentially a zombie movie. Like an apocalypse type event. Worldwide event. Yeah, like something so isolated, which, you know, we've talked to, we've talked horror movies before and sometimes a smaller scale is more intimate. It really gets to the emotions and the feelings. You can bet higher concept, little kind of thing, you know, this takes that initially and just step by step expands it until we get to the end of the movie and it just explodes and what a ride cast your mind back so you sat in the cinema and the the opening titles often now i'll say now for a long time you get the opening titles over essentially the beginning of the movie this seems to go 
back to maybe the 80s where yes, we're presented that's... with something static or and we're just watching rabbits and the genius oh man there's so many things happening in this movie that although you spend all that time just watching these rabbits as we moved away and we're watching the movie proper i'm forgetting about them rabbits even though we just sat there and you're like why are we just like watching these rabbits? I'm saying it's, like this obviously means something. There's a hidden meaning, yeah, but then <laughs> something happens and something else happens. And when you're in the home invasion, and it feels like, oh, this is the movie I'm watching. Yeah, I'm not thinking about rabbits, even though he's littered like references or clues to the rabbits throughout the whole movie. But just that opening, I remember like sitting there thinking, this is weird. <laughs> but then I was like staring at each rabbit, being like, what? What does it does mean? It, yeah, like is that one? Are they the same? Is that one like? That one kind of looks like that one. Oh, wait, they're just rabbits. Like, of course they're going to look the same. Ah, that one's got black on its ears. Ah. But then when you've watched the whole movie, everything just fits. As In terms of Jordan Peele and see if we compare to Get Out, well, I think with Get Out, he explored a lot of, uh, there was like political and racial sort of commentary, um, those sorts of messages and themes throughout the movie. I think this one, he went more for a, I guess a straight-out horror movie. There, I mean, there's still themes and stuff, and we will get to all of that uh, as a thing. But there's there's nothing. There's no racial sort of um, agenda to this one. Not that it's a bad thing, but um, there's no. He's sort of gone for something different. I mean, he he's got a African American cast as the leads. Yeah. But they don't need to be African American for this movie to work. Whereas that was kind of the point in Get Out. Well, the thing I think, if you had a white director, I mean, you wouldn't point out if he had a you know a white family cast as the leads. You wouldn't point it out. It's just he just happened to cast them as a black family. But it could go either way. It didn't. Yeah, there's nothing racially motivated motivated by this film. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just a horror movie. I mean, it's less about race than it is class, like where you fit in society. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to all those. We should point out the soundtrack now. I mean, you mentioned that opening thing with the rabbit. I got five on it. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's the soundtrack. There's also the and score. That, that, the remix of that song that not only does the song play, mm. that the composer, Michael Abels, he actually manages to incorporate aspects of that song into the original score. Beautifully. This is such a good score. That, that, that piece of music where it's like the... Like the... The, the choir with like the chanting and the, it's like oh spooky like oh oh I can't do it but it's uh, it's spooky and I guess it really sets the scene and the time and the, the gives me chills man and this composer is new I believe Get Out was his first yes he he, he came back and joined Jordan Peele for it well let's talk I mean the the cast is is small there's a lot of characters but the cast is small and for obvious reason let's start with the Wilsons. Um, Adelaide Wilson, played by Lupita Nyong'o. Now, we should say every character, every act, actor basically plays dual roles. They play, I guess, the human, the one on the surface level, and then they also play, I guess, the, the underground, or the shadow, or the red the version. Red, yeah. So we, whatever you say want to call we've got Wilson and Red. I think that's a good way of separating the two. Sure. Um, so yeah, Adelaide. Basically, you have this character, she's sort of... There's an incident that we are exposed to. It just unfolds. You know, we, we witness her with her family. She's obviously hesitant to go back and she's afraid of, you know, like this thing catching up to her. Then we also have this other version of her that appears. Two completely different roles, performances. You could say this about every character. They're, they're 
every character. I'm just gonna say they're they're all they're all fantastic in portraying. Dual I would roles. say her more than anyone else, though. And I know she's the main the main character or the main characters, but more than anyone, like what she's doing is absolutely phenomenal. When she is red and the way she's moving, almost like a like a puppet, like just emotions are yeah. quite awkward and. And the the speech it's and like, the eyes—it's like a choreographed sort of movement thing in their in their performances. Yeah, it, it is like that. It's, it's like she's she's putting thought into her movements. Like it's like everything is calculated, and it's just so creepy. And just with the big gold scissors and the red jumpsuits, That's... and the voice. You know, I mentioned the voice. I mean, we do find out why she does have that raspberry. I mean, should we talk about it now or wait till? I mean, we can wait. Oh, you know, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay, we'll come back to her. There's a lot more sort of to her. Uh, Winston Duke, I think you get the, the dual roles, but I think he plays more on the comedy side of things. Not too much. Which... He does when he when he's Gabe, so when so when he's Wilson, when he's not... Red. When he's the dad, you know, when he's, he's just the guy. I mean, he's very much playing him like the sitcom dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, he's a little bit goofy, but he's likeable. And he very much plays him that way. Now, as an actor, Winston Duke, he was, for me, the best thing about Black Panther. Played Umbaku in that movie. <laughs> he was really good in that. And then Much the same, him again, yeah, like playing for laughs. Yeah, yeah but seeing him again here, he was really good in this. And I don't know what's going on, but when you see him as Gabe, as the dad, he, he's got a presence. But then when he's playing Abraham, the he red... like an animal presence. An animal like, presence, like but he's sort of like... He's just bigger, and like his forehead seems more. It's because he's not proud. wearing glasses. It's the classic Superman trope thing. But then he puts glasses on, and he still looks <laughs> he's different. Still big and scary. But he's like his his presence. He's bringing that much to it. Like he just seems bigger, mm. and that's got to be credited to Winston Duke. That's it. Like I said, these these actors. I mean, you even have the kids. Um, you got the daughter Zora. Um, played by Shahadi Wright Joseph, and she also, of course, plays Umbre. Umbre, the shadow When she does the creepy face, and she's doing the running, and it looks like her face looks stretched. It almost reminds me a little bit of the the scream mask, you know, ghost face. Like, like heart, like it's kind of melted. Almost in like a way. you melted like the chins to a point. Like, would she be wearing a, like a, a like a mouth guard or something to I do that? Like, don't want to know. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like this. Can things. she do that with her face? Yeah, maybe that's why they hired her. <laughs> Uh, we also have Evan Alex who plays um, Jason and of course Pluto as well. Now Pluto, Pluto has is so creepy. The the burnt face, the mask, or oh, of course Jason has the Chewbacca mask, like the plastic one. So there. both boys are wearing masks, and Pluto was burned by fire. But then we find out that trick that Jason is trying to do the whole time is a flame. Yeah, so, so he's playing with that like magician's toy. And it's not quite working, it's just clicking and clicking. And when he finally gets it to work, and you're seeing these boys do our parallel. That's it. Well, the movie proposes that, I mean, the whole concept is you've got these, I guess we call them the, you know, the surface dwellers, and their shadows are the ones who live underground. And whatever the the people on the surface are doing, basically like a like puppets or like, you know, like a mimicking thing, the other, the shadows copy them, follow, you know, Without thought, they, they have to move. and So to give them the right name, the, the Tethered. The Tethered, That's yes. what they refer to us, because they are Tethered, tethered to shadow. people. I, mean, I think they do call okay, them shadows at some point. Right, okay, so we're revealing it here then. So you're right, you've got like people living out their lives, like we are now on the surface, and then mimicking our movements, or like almost like shadows. Yeah. 
I mean, getting pulled around. And, and the, the Red way, does refer to them as shadows. Like, we are the shadows. The so. way that they portray that, like, scenes in particular, when you've got the people at the fun fair on the roller coaster, and, and they're just tethered yeah, in that hallway, looking frightened. There's visual imagery that is quite disturbing. Really quite confronting. Like, especially if you're actually considering what's happening. You know, when they're eating, you know, they're eating the rabbits and stuff. It's like, it is quite... You know, I mean, it's not intense, but it, it is sort of just like, oh, it's a bit shocking. Um, but yeah, back to Jason, you know, like he is trying to play with that lighter, trying to light a fire, essentially. And then down underground, you've got uh, Pluto, and he's playing with matches because, you know, he's mimicking the Jason above the surface. And by doing that, he's just lighting himself on fire. He's lighting his face on fire, which causes his scars. It's quite, yeah, again, yeah, it's just disturbing sort of stuff. It's a disturbing concept and thought. I mean, it's, it's red, isn't it? That is the first one that is able to become her own person. Yeah. And it's a little bit like, did you like get completely? So we've got to think, it's her as a girl, and she goes to the fun house, which is some sort of gateway. And then you've got red who follows her. and It's like... Because it's like saying that the so the there's only one way up and one one way down, but really you've got to go. It's going down only, so it's like walking the wrong way up an escalator. I mean, I did think, how does she get up those escalator? And I was like, well, you can walk up escalators. I mean, you can. Go. It'll just take you take take you a while longer. But it, that's the point, isn't it's, it? It's like almost they, because it's because um, it's because Adelaide pretty much walked to the gate, as you say. Yeah. So they had to meet. They at had that to point. meet as mirrors. They kind of went. Well, yeah, as mirror images of each other, they kind of met at that one point, which was at the, you know, and that at that little funhouse thing in the gate, at the gate, and that's where the movie sort of starts. And that's and where that's where they first see each other. We but first even are revealed to the the idea that oh my god, there are doubles, there are two. What's going on? But it's almost like Red is already a little bit different to the others. Like for her to break away, because she's not. I don't know. I think the way that they meet isn't how the tethered usually respond to people above. Right, yeah, like they, they would meet and then basically be a mirror, mirror image, I guess. Cause if, and if you think that they weren't... Because it wasn't even mirrored. Because when, when you get red as a girl... Like she's back. She's, yeah. she's, got, she's back to front. So she was already sort of breaking out of that yeah. shell, almost already separating from the tether, cutting the cord, I guess. But that was the incident, wasn't it? Mm. Like, if... If this, if what happened in the funhouse never happened, essentially the world would have gone on none the wiser, and the tethered would just be down there. Yes, I mean there's more to it, which we will get to. But did, um, so, did you pick up on who was playing Adelaide's parents? No, enlighten me. The dad, yes, it's Black Manta. Okay, yeah, Man, okay, right. and the mum, it's Starfire from Titans. Oh, very good. Okay, it's all very exciting <laughs> for you. <laughs> I was watching it. I was like, hang on a minute. We so. We essentially we get that home invasion, you know, movie for for a bit, and that all kind of wraps up. And I was so lost in this movie, like just fully absorbed that when that all kind of wrapped up, I was like, "Oh wait, is this the end of the movie? Has it been that long? Have I just really enjoyed this this ride?" I was thinking, I was thinking, it's been like half an hour, but I was I was thinking maybe it's been longer. I I don't know. Um, there is a second family, um, and we get to. We basically cut to them now. The Wilsons are on their way to the Tyler's house. So it's sort of basically seek refuge, help, all that kind of stuff. We've got Elizabeth Moss playing uh, Kitty Tyler, and I guess her 
her tethered Cordalia. Um, Tim Heidecker plays Josh and Tex the tethered. And we've also got twins Callie and Noel Sheldon who play Becca and Lindsay. Also Io and Nix who are the tethered. So we see them. I'm expecting the Wilsons to rock up to their house, but then before that happens, the tethers show up, their tethers, and pretty much take them out. It's all... You don't know until then that it's happening Every... to more than their yeah, family. I mean, like, like you said, you went and you're thinking, this is it. This is the contained... intimate story. For this family, for some reason. Yeah. Something to do with Adelaide going down and to at this that point, fair, that gate. And... Abraham's gone. He's been taken out yeah, by, true, the by the boat. Yes. So you're kind of like thinking, okay, so there's four of them, the one down, so we're gradually going to be working towards a finale where maybe Adelaide the mom, or whoever, or like the family's yeah. going to be triumphant and the Red family are going to be killed. But now we're introduced to more doppelgangers so like, and then find out on? that it's worldwide. I didn't know that... Uh, what's she called? I didn't know that Elizabeth Moss was in this and I've only ever seen her, I think, in... Clips of Handmaid's Tale. I've never, Clip, I like that. Clips of. I've yeah. Never, so I've never really seen her before, and in this, that's what I know her from. Really good. Like, I thought she was so good in this. I gotta say, like, once again, like I just cannot fault pretty much everyone's performances. Solid. Everyone's the doing board. different things, but for good reason. It but all... with the motives, you're thinking, oh, okay, because when you first introduced to the Wilsons tethered. They're going after each other. Mm. So it's like, oh, okay, so maybe that's what has to happen. Oh, yeah, but like you have to go you, after You can your, only kill like, yourself. If, and I was thinking, oh, they're looking to take over their lives. Like They want to replace them. But then it's when you're at the Tyler's house, the twins are just out for anybody. Because you've got that scene, and I feel like we're getting into twist territory. You've got the scene where you have Dahlia, and she abducts or she captures Adelaide. But she doesn't hurt her. And then you're thinking, well, is that this is before the twins. Is it because she can only kill herself and can't kill another one? Mm-hmm. But then if we want to speak to the twist, we find out that the funfair at the beginning of the movie, the two girls swap places. <sighs> there it is. And if you think about it from Dahlia's, Dahlia's perspective, she's not going to kill a leader. At least, even if it's just somebody who looks like her leader. But we're finding out that the two girls swap places and the raspy voice, we talked about the strained mm. voice that Red had, it's because the tethered strangled her as a kid and handcuffed her and trapped her down there underground. What's weird, what's, I guess what's the, the most mind-boggling thing about the, the twist, you know, that you have to get your head around. It's like, they, were, they switched as children, so... And it's all, everything, all the clues and stuff are there, clear as crystal. Like, the, her parents are like, oh, you know, she's not my child. She's Something not diff- she's we're not thinking, since the incident. We're told to think it's traumatic, um, post-traumatic stress, whatever it is, disorder. You know, she's not talking. It's because they, she doesn't know how to. So from a child, this, this new, well, Red, essentially takes on the identity of Adelaide, lives her life. She does marry... Um, what's his name? Abraham? No. Okay. <laughs> That's, Abraham is red, isn't it? It's hard to keep track Gabe. of who is who. That's him, Gabe. Abraham, bad guy. So, But then again, but he's, sorry, is he the bad guy? But let's not get into that. <laughs> so red basically adopts the identity of Adelaide 
You know, she grows up, she lives her life, she marries Gabe, she has those children, she has, she gives birth to Jason and to Zora, like they are her children. That's the weird thing. And the real Adelaide is the red that we meet in this movie. You know, the one with the raspy voice, the one that's with all these other tethered. And she gave birth to, you know, Pluto. And, and the way she describes Andre. the births is horrific. And again, I guess she. In darkness. We, I guess what you have to remember is that she's not a reliable storyteller. She's using metaphors. And, you know, to us as a viewer watching it for the first time, we're thinking she's literally telling us what's happening. She's literally saying, oh, the, the government is behind this. Um, this is what happened. You know, this kid is a demon born from the fires of hell or something like that. She's using metaphors. That's what really takes us for a ride and messes with us. And it's weird when you do get to the, you know, when you get to the end and it's like, who are we rooting for now? Are we rooting for Red? Are we rooting for Adelaide? I mean, it's, it's at the closing chapters, but it's like, hey, it's weird because you have to remember that the the Red who is pretending to be Adelaide's whole time is, in fact, the character that we've been with the whole time and that her family knows it's still their mum. Anyway. <laughs> what do you take from it then? Do you, do you think that Red... Not Red, sorry, Adelaide knew all along. So I kind of took it this... On one hand, it can be like, she didn't remember where she came from because she'd like she'd blocked it out or she'd moved past it. Or when the invaders turn up, it's like, they found me, I've been found out. Like, is you can take it, I think, I mean, both ways. Going, I mean, we, I would have to watch it a second time, but take the first time that they all meet and they're in the room and, you know, Adelaide's asking questions, what do you guys want? And, you know, Red starts to speak. And Adelaide is essentially... Um, Adelaide is essentially speaking you know she's performing she's pretending not to know anything she clearly knows that Red so she, so you with the raspy boy is the original girl that she right. switched places with back in the day back in the 80s she knows what's happening she didn't forget it's been her plot you know she's had I mean she's probably come good and so learned, she's got away with it for she's this learned long to be humanised yeah. and all that you know but she essentially was that one that switched places with her she knows what's happening and you do get the hints of it, you know, when she commits these kills, you know, that animal side. And again, it's playing to the audience as, oh, you know, like she's killing. So we think that she's just, you know, just adapting to becoming brutal and surviving, you know, doing what she needs to do. But there's more to it. It's it's her sort of reverting back to who she used to be. And if so. you think about the family, like Gabe doesn't actually see that side of her. It's Jason. And then it's like... Does he know? Does he? I mean, either way, it's still his mum. Like nothing's changed mm. there. But does, is he connecting the dots? Maybe that's not really, you know. He's... I have been hearing a few things. Potentially, there's a hidden twist. I mean, obviously, the main twist that they reveal to us is that they, you know, Adelaide and Red were switched early on. There's a theory going around that Jason was also switched at some at some point. And oh, there, really? there are some there are some things to take the scene where. You know, Jason's backing away and Pluto walks back into the fire and Adelaide is sort of concerned that... But I think that's just a parental concern. I don't... Even though that's not her son, she's sort yeah, of like, Ooh. it still looks like her son. There's another thing. There's like the twins refer to Jason's being weird. He's building sand tunnels, not sand castles. Okay. There's a few... There's a lot of things. But again, it's not crystal clear. It's not 100%. Um, but the theory is that at some point during their lives... The real Jason was, you know, was burnt, was scarred. Maybe Adelaide, who again really is red, was responsible in some way. Maybe she went down there and switched them. 
and then brought up the the shadow version of Jason and brought him up and you know they they refer to like their previous holiday and you know he wasn't talking for a while and things like that. There's stuff in the movie. There are, but you know again, maybe a secret twist. But, maybe. But either way, that scene you mentioned there where Jason's backing up knowingly killing Pluto. It's still that was quite hard to watch. Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like at the end when, you know, he looks, when Jason looks at his mom, is it him working out like, like, yeah, you're still my mom, but, you know, you're from I overheard that everything and you yeah, originally I, came from there. I or think, is it him going, yeah, we both know what's up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, maybe that's true. I definitely didn't take it that way, but I do think that Jason knows. I mean, he, when he finds his mom towards the end and she's killing Red. Yeah. And this, the screams that Adelaide is making, she sounds just like Red. That's it. So I think Jason knows. Jason knows. And we'll just very quickly wrap this up with the themes. Jordan Peele definitely, at least from here on out, going to be known as someone who does this to their movies. Um, but this movie is filled with stuff. Um, Jeremiah 1111 um, is throughout the movie. It's a quote from the Bible or a passage, whatever you call it. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Basically, that's referring to when Jeremiah warned Jerusalem um, that they were facing a destruction due to false idols. There's stuff in this movie, you know, like there are characters obsessed with like material things, such as their phone. They mentioned, you know, Wi-Fi, Ophelia, the virtual assistant, even alcohol. Again, this is where we sort of tap into like that social class and poverty sort of aspect that you mentioned earlier. The upstairs, downstairs sort of concept, you know, from a hundred years ago, where you. Well, it's essentially saying the tethered is the, the lower home, class. It, yeah, although you know the the homeless man in the street that maybe you pass without thought. Yeah, you know they're, you know they they're a person just like you are, and then when you you find out that the tethered bleed just like we are, it's like well, and the fact that. Red becomes Adelaide. They are just like us. And that's what it's showing you, that they you cut them and they will bleed. They're just the same. I mean, the quote, the quote, we are, or like, we're American, it's... Yeah, who are you people? We are Americans. It's like, it just sort of sums it all up as in, like, they're all just people. They're all like, they're all one, they're the same. Yeah, the message is essentially people can accomplish what they can with the means that they're given essentially if you if someone has nothing you know like given the opportunity to be in someone else's place they can achieve and succeed which is sort of what they do when they they have that uprising and they sort of come up to the surface and essentially take over their lives i guess and switch places xenophobia is obviously again tied into it you know that paranoia especially it's contemporary right now that that fear of what they call like the other type of person, whether it be another religion, culture, race, gender, sexuality, that fear of like those other people. When in this movie it shows, you know, like given the opportunity, it's like we can be just as bad as the other person. You know, they 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 kill to protect themselves when in that situation, you know, like they become animals, monsters. But the tethered are first presented as being the bad guys, the home invaders. But then when you find out they've been left with nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much it's a going thing. on it's in about, this movie. It's a, mess. it's a movie saying, look in the mirror before you, you know, we judge these other people and just assume that they're the bad guys, they're the ones to be afraid of. 
look in the mirror and it's like maybe we're just as bad or something to be feared as well. Oh, it's powerful stuff. There's also just lastly the Michael Jackson imagery, which I generally, given what's actually happening at the moment, was surprised that they left it, but good on them for having the balls to just keep it. It was a part of the movie that they, you know, wanted to incorporate. The jumpsuits, the one glove, you know, like the the thriller the t shirt, yeah. Even think of the thriller video clip at the end. Michael Jackson's actually revealed to be a monster the whole time. Much like in the movie, The Twist. Ah! Okay, cool. That's it. And we've mentioned The Twist, of course. So the rating then. You want to go first? Um, yes. Now, I we left this movie and I tried to find a fault. I talked over with the wife and I was like, do I, do I like this movie? Do I hate it? And no, I don't. I love this movie. Um, it, yeah, it's very hard to find a fault. I don't think I could say anything more than what I've already said. I'm going to go out and just give it a five. Your second five of the year. It is. And it's April. <laughs> Compared to last year, like, this is a completely different year. I'm loving it so far. Watched this movie, loved it, and when thinking about rating it, I approached it in the same way as you, and I have no faults. I mean, we don't know why or how. Like We know that government experiments we don't know any more than that so that's but that's not what the movie's about but again that's uh, an unreliable source of that's information true that's that true we... but we we're led to believe in the movie at least that it, it's man-made like mm-hmm. you know this they're victims of, of man i cannot fault this movie at all i absolutely loved it i was thrilled i didn't know what it was going to be and then when it be, when it becomes the movie that it is I had an absolute ball, and this movie has stayed with me ever since. It is my first five of the year. Whew, there it is. Actually, I can kind of fault it, but want to with a with a disclosure. You know, like you could say, you know, where did all the rabbits come from? And I don't know their breed. You know, where, like, where did, did they the get the scissors? Scissors, the jumpsuits. But then, how did she that... actually orchestrate all this without communicating with everybody? Like everybody knew what was going on. Yeah, the tethered on the surface, the I mean, linked up hand by hand, but it, across the world. But those it doesn't things, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't because matter because that's not what it's about. I was it's presented the ideas, with the themes. a great horror movie, and the best horror movies have something to say. It's not just a generic slasher movie. This is just a phenomenal But you, movie. you get all that fun as well in it. So you get you get your you cake, get your you jokes. eat it too, or your rabbit and you eat it You've too. got your Jordan Peele cameo. Mm. He, he's the voice of the Funhouse. He is, isn't he? Yeah, the yes. voice in Get Out movie. as well. What a film. And as always, we'll close out on some trivia. And this I found very interesting because it's going to give you an idea of where Jordan Peele was coming from. He gave the cast 10 horror films to watch so they could have a shared language when filming. So I'll reel through them. We've got Dead Again from 91, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. Twist. <laughs> so he gave them homework. There we Before go. we go into production, watch these movies. I swear someone else did that at some point. I've heard that before. Yeah. But I, think I, like, it. I like it. Knowing he's such a fan of horror and this film is so layered. It's I think just knowing those ten movies, it gives you a bit of an insight into where he was coming from. John Watts, Spider Man Homecoming. 
he did it to the Gabba cast, all these movies to watch, like Ferris Bueller's Day Out and stuff like that. That's what I was thinking. Day off, that's okay. <laughs> that's it for our review of us. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Films View Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And make sure you check out our website, thatfilmsviewpodcast.com. A few episodes to plug. Sounds Like Comics' recent episode features the two of us looking at the animated series from 1986, The Real Ghostbusters, and Rewind and Review's latest episode goes back to the 90s once again to celebrate the 20th anniversary of 10 Things I Hate About You. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film stew. See you soon.